And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf, and joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, pastor of the PCA Church in Kingston, New York. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance, pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Rock Tavern. Hello. And also on the phone with us today, Pastor Bill Shishko of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in Franklin Square on Long Island. Glad to be back with you. Well, gentlemen, it's great to have you all here today. I think this is the very first time here on A Plain Answer where we've had uh, three participants as well as myself, so this is great. Um, Today, we would like to talk about the church and how salvation normally occurs within that context. Um, In our associations with people, uh, either at work or more recently with the whole Harold Camping confusion, uh, we sometimes come across folks who feel that church is um, completely optional, an optional thing in their lives, um, or in logic design parlance, what engineers might call a don't care. Uh, Some go much further and say that God has left the church, that the church age has ended. And it's kind of funny, I recall working with Kevin Sherrod, a mutual friend, uh, back in the days when we were both at IBM, and um, Kevin since became a pastor with the PCA in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm here at Redeemer, of course. But then back in our IBM days, uh, we had this this mutual friend named Gene, and Gene was a professed Christian and, uh, you know, quote, loved the Lord, but he didn't love the church. And it was kind of funny at the time. It struck us both kind of odd. We'd ask him to attend, but he never wanted to. And then Kevin would teasingly call him Gene the Non-Churchman. <laughs> and so that became his name. <laughs> it was kind of funny. But uh, here's the first question. Um, people will um, often suggest that our personal salvation has nothing to do with the church and its teachings. And there's even a Facebook posting this past week on the Facebook page that's named Harold Camping Discussions, uh, which asked, um, can salvation occur and be maintained by the Holy Spirit through the Word outside of belonging to a physical church, a physical body of believers. And so let that be our starting point today as we talk about the church with respect to our own salvation. Well, in a sense, of course, that is a question uh, that has been raised from the earliest of times. And uh, we have a phrase in uh, church history, and uh, the fellows that are here with me today, of course, know that phrase, but maybe some of you out there don't know it. Uh, And it arises out of the fact that the early church had a very strong sense of the church and that uh, salvation was primarily in the church, and its locus was in the church because Jesus was the great head and king of the church. But it's Mm -hmm. extra ecclesium nulla salus, which means outside of the church there is no salvation. Now, it is true that the Roman Catholic Church, particularly up uh, through some of its councils, did emphasize that it alone, even against the Eastern churches, and particularly after the Protestant Reformation, that outside of its communion, 
there really is no salvation, though since Vatican II they don't hold that quite as rigorously, to say the least. But it is an important question, and uh, it's one that I look forward to addressing here with the Reese fellows and the rest of this uh, time that we have together. Dan, when you... When you mention someone who says, and there's a lot of people like this, they love Jesus, but they, but in essence, they don't love his church. That's a little bit like saying, you love me, but you don't love my wife, mm-hmm. <laughs> because the church, the church is is one flesh with Christ, and so I mean that's the best you can say is that's a that's a gross contradiction, and I think too, your your the question can salvation occur and and be maintained outside of belonging to a physical church, there's a difference between what can be and what ought to be. Mm. And, and the Bible indicates very clearly that what ought to be is that everyone who is a believer in Christ is part of his bride, which is his church. One of the things you're pointing out, Bill, is, you know, when you have an exception to the rule, it's not what destroys the rule, it's what establishes the rule. And clearly, to to have salvation outside the church is an exception. It's not the norm, uh, yet it occurs. Of course, we're speaking over radio. Radio sometimes reaches places where there are no churches, and there are converts in that way. But that is the exception. And not only that, but think of the imagery again. If Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body, it is to say, I love the head, but I don't love the body. (laughs) It's not just (laughs) simply uh, two different entities, the way they're treating it. It's the head and the body. I I can't help but think about 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about the church as different parts of the body. And so when someone uh, turns around and says, I don't need the church, He's basically saying, not only do I not need the eye, I don't need the hands, I don't need anything else. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What I was going to say is, it's it's interesting, I'm not saying this is distinctly an American phenomenon, but it certainly is something that fits with the American individualist Mm -hmm. mindset. I think it fits with the, the view of baptism that says that baptism marks my own personal conversion experience mm-hmm. rather than baptism marking, among other things, being united with the visible church, which, which baptism does. But mm-hmm. Jesus does not say, I will save my elect, although he will. He says, I will build my church. Yeah. And Jesus mm-hmm. is given as head over all things for the sake of his church, which is his body. Uh, so I, I think there's a, there's a fundamental inversion of what of what the scriptures teach on this matter. Well, it, it, certainly that's the case. Um, there is a sense in which Americans, and I think you're right to point out what you did that uh, that the individualism that we find in America does play a part in this. It's as if saying salvation uh, is an island. I'm saved individually by myself, but I'm not saved in relationship to my neighbor. But my, the two greatest commandments, of course, love for God and love for neighbor, can only be realized completely in the body of Christ. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Well, with that, uh, we're going to take a short break. Today we're talking about the church and how salvation normally occurs within that context. With us today is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance, and the Reverend Bill Shishko. And uh, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back on the other side.
We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. With me is the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance, and the Reverend Bill Shishko. Today we're talking about the church. And uh, gentlemen, to resume, I want to read a short section of scripture from uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. I'm just struck, gentlemen, by the love of Christ for his church, how that he describes that love in terms of a relationship we're all too familiar with, that between husband and wife. And uh, that relationship certainly holds and continues to hold. It's it's a very primary one, and therefore, by extension, um, the relationship of Christ to his body, the church, uh, holds and is, is a primary relationship. Yeah, when you look at this whole thing, how Christ loves the church, I mean, that picture is one of great intimacy and one of great love. And for a person to say that's an optional thing, it's inconceivable to me because it's 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 like saying, well, loving your wife is an optional thing. It, it, it's not. It's something that is very precious and, and very important. And we need to understand the importance that the church has for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to keep in mind the language for God's dealing with his people. In the Old Testament, you have... Israel, it's called a holy nation, it's called a kingdom of priests. Protestants tend to emphasize rightly the priesthood of the believer, and and that's certainly right, but it's a kingdom of priests, it's a body. And then when you have that transition to the the fullness of the new covenant in Acts 2, 
It's very interesting that, that the Holy Spirit through Luke says the Lord added to them, and the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. Mm. And it's in that context that God gives the, the means of grace in Acts 2 and verse 42. So the language of uh, the way in which God works always is of a body, and, and, and the means of grace I know we're going to speak about in, in a bit, really each of them is, is pretty much necessary within a corporate body. There is, seems to me to be a, a fundamental flaw, though, in many people's theology when it comes to the doctrine of the church. We call that ecclesiology, of course, the doctrine of the church. But it, it is this. Some out there will say, well, uh, Pastor, I do believe that there is no salvation outside the church, but it's not the visible church on earth. It's the spiritual entity that is distinct and separate from the visible church. In other words, it's almost a platonic view of the church when, in fact, almost all of the references, for instance, that Bill and Mark have referred to here have to do with the visible church on earth. So not to mention the fact in Matthew eighteen fifteen to 17, in the context of, of discipline, it assumes people bound together your brother sins against you and bringing witnesses, and one wonders if one is only to be part of the quote-unquote invisible or spiritual church, to, to what body are you to tell things in Matthew eighteen seventeen? That's exactly right. I think that whole aspect of church discipline, and even going to Galatians 6, where it talks about bearing one another's burdens, well, part of bearing one another's burdens is entailed with church discipline. Uh, so I think a lot of these people who uh, just th- want to be part of the spiritual church really, in some sense, want to be uh, think that they're an only child of God. Well, I think here's the flaw in that idea. The scriptures clearly say in Ephesians that there's only one church. Mm. Now, there are two perspectives to it, the way God sees it and the way I see it, mm. or the way human beings see it, but there's only one church. And uh, we are called to serve that one church. It is true that God sees it uh, infallibly. He knows them that are his. We always see it fallibly on this side of the great divide, so to speak. We look through a glass darkly. But there is not one hint in Scripture that we are to take that and use it as an excuse not to serve the visible body of Christ and be in submission to our brothers in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested, too, Dan, that the question that was, wherever it was posted, I guess, on your Facebook thing, can salvation occur and be maintained by the Holy Spirit through the Word outside of belonging to a physical church, a physical body of believers? If we take it, as I do, Acts 2.42, as giving these means of grace, the, uh, when the people were added to the church, they were devoted to the Apostles' Doctrine, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and the prayers— Americans, again, will tend to individualize most of those. You know, I read my Bible, I pray. But but you read, for example, even reading the Bible individually, you have the Ethiopian eunuch who says to Philip, how can I understand this unless somebody teaches me? And clearly there's raised up ministers. Paul devotes first and second Timothy and Titus to these and, and among other things, says to Timothy as a minister, take heed to yourself and to your teaching, for in so doing you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So, so even these 
non-specific references to church, but to the means of grace, always, always assume a body of some sort. Absolutely. It, it's clear. And when uh, Peter talks about the scriptures being of no private interpretation, he is mm-hmm. talking about reading the scriptures within the body of Christ. I tell people when I enter my study to prepare a sermon, uh, the saints surround me. I have St. Augustine on my mm-hmm. shelf. I have John Calvin on my shelf. Uh, I have Martin Luther on my shelf. I have uh, Jonathan Edwards on my shelf. And I consult them in my understanding uh, mm-hmm. of things to make sure that I'm uh, teaching the gospel and preaching the scriptures as the church has always understood uh, the scriptures. And it's very easy to get off onto a tangent and to be seduced, if you will, by your mm-hmm. own inclinations and heart's desire to take mm-hmm. you away. The church serves as a corrective. In fact, St. Augustine once said, I would not have God as my father without the church as my mother. That is a powerful statement that we need the fellowship of the mm-hmm. saints. Yeah, the fellowship is very important. But even beyond that, I think the corporate worship is something that God is pleased with. He desires that corporate worship, not just the individual worship, but that corporate worship. We see that all through the Old Testament where he prescribed how the worship was to be done and uh, coming through the New Testament how people gathered together always to worship God corporately. and uh, Yeah, forsake not the assembling of yourselves that's together. Right. Mm-hmm. Read Absolutely. the scriptures publicly. To that's who? It. Yourself? That's no, right. it's and even, even in that text in, in Hebrews uh, 2, where a beautiful picture of the people gathered for worship, and Jesus is speaking as the great worship leader, and he says to the Father, Here am I, and the children you've given me. And, and Mark, when you mention the fellowship, one wonders how you can have fellowship if you're a, if you're a lone right. ranger believer. Right. That well, that assumes he, uh, a, a body of people, let alone, as I mentioned before, you're baptized into one body. And even in partaking of the Lord's Supper, the, the, this practice, mean, you don't individually administer the Lord's Supper to yourself. Paul right. says in 1 Corinthians 11, when you come together as a church and mm. do this, and here you are a couple of great uh, Bible scholars who know the scriptures. Can you think of any place in the Bible where there is a Lone Ranger believer, apart from persecution where, I mean, Elijah had to, had, had to hide out? Well, but, and even he had to be corrected that there were 400 people that's who were right. not bound that's right. to yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but, you know, these examples you can pull, I mean, you certainly have the thief on the cross who... Uh, who was converted well, and, and was not was not baptized, but in the nature of the case, he <laughs> couldn't be part of the fellowship because he'd be in glory. I think the nearest would be the, the Ethiopian eunuch, right. who is returned to his own country. Um, we assume that that's where he is going, uh, but we know that, that, in fact, in Ethiopia, there was a church that developed very early in, in the Christian life. Right. But, but there's the point is, those... Those illustrations are not normative. It's right. when you have you know, the Lord added to the church those who are being saved. That's what we would follow. Yeah, right. some people might also call forth the example of Naaman, but again, he is an exception, and uh, that right. is not the case. Or someone may even even point to Abraham when he initially was called out of paganism, but God built uh, him into a great nation. So uh, the norm is that we are in a body, and uh, any 
way that we can find or an exception that we can find or some story that we hear just simply happens to be the exception. But for those who are usually raising this question, they're within walking distance of a church. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. You have exceptions with exceptional circumstances around it. Most people raising the questions today do not have exceptional circumstances. And uh, furthermore, I, I think we ought to explore briefly the question is, why do some people not want to submit to the body of Christ? Right. What is the spiritual and and emotional and psychological objections to submitting or theological to the body of Christ? Now, have some people been um, hurt uh, with their association in a church and they uh, leave with hurt feelings and and then um, extend that to all churches, perhaps? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there, there is a tremendous market, which says something in itself, or books on churches that abuse, where church authority is, is misused in, in various ways, and, and people do get scarred, and they do get hurt. We've, I'm, I'm sure, John and Mark, you've run into this where you are. We have people that come to us from abusive situations, and they... They want to back off from a commitment for a while, and you can understand it. We call that an irregular situation, mm-hmm. and we work to regularize it over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is a pastoral problem in, in the case that you, you mentioned, uh, Bill. The interesting thing, though, is that some people simply don't want to be under authority. Right. Yeah. I think it is that simple at times. Yeah, I think you that know, is. The scary thing in that is is the writer of Hebrews talks about uh, submitting to those who have the authority over you and being submissive, or they watch for your souls. Mm-hmm. And it's it's frankly scary for people who don't. I realize there can be an abuse in some of the shepherding movement and so on. The fact of the matter is, elders do have oversight. They are to represent the great shepherd and shepherding the flock. One wonders why any sheep would really want to be without an under-shepherd. That's so true. The simplest that is protection. Uh, Not only is the fellowship sweet but it's the it's the protection that one has. Mm. Uh, Surely the, the sheep feel safe under the ministrations of the good shepherd and the good shepherd has appointed under shepherds, of course, and that's what an elder uh, is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a shepherd, one who watches for your soul. Mm-hmm. Right. What, a, what a precious relationship that is. Um, earlier today I was reading from um, another scripture in Acts where it says, Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. It is truly a loving relationship. Well, I see we're uh, getting close on time already, gentlemen. Why don't we um, try to wrap up some thoughts here. Today we're talking about the church and how salvation normally occurs within the context of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, Bill, how about some uh, thoughts from you first? I'm going to just build on what you just mentioned, Dan. It's a striking thing. It's the church that Jesus purchased with his own blood. He certainly did purchase all of his elect, but the text says his church, it's his body. If, if it's that precious that it's purchased with the blood of Christ, it is, uh, it is at best deeply irreverent to have low views of the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well put. Yeah. 
I'm going to approach this a little bit different. Of course, some of these people say, yeah, I can believe in Jesus Christ. I can trust in him as my Lord and Savior, you know. And uh, Hebrews chapter eleven six. without faith, it's impossible to please God because he who comes to him must believe that he is, and he is the rewarder of those who seek him. And so people were saying, yeah, I can believe in Jesus Christ, but what's the other part? He's a rewarder of those who seek him. How do you mm-hmm. seek him? You seek him in his word. So you're saying, I can believe in Jesus Christ, but frankly, when he tells me to be attached to a church, I disagree with him. To me, mm-hmm. that's hubris. That That is arrogance and hubris to, to turn around. The word of God wants us in the church. You can't get a, a, away from that in God's word. It's inescapable. And that's, the, that's the bottom line. I don't care what your arguments are. Mm. Jesus is smarter than you are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You you know, the the church as a teacher is an important matter as well. Uh, We we have a difficult world to negotiate. And uh, there are many voices out there. But Jesus has established his church, and he clearly says that I will lead you into all truth. Now, no doubt that means all essential truth. The church does not always uh, have a perfect understanding, but it has the gospel, and it has a basic truth and foundation, and to be with the fellowship of the saints is like an anchor to your soul that keeps your eyes fixed on the prize. Paul said, I press toward the mark of our high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and to do that uh, and to do it in the way that God provides his grace is to do it through the church. Praise be to God for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, amen, fellows. Thank you very much for participating today on this important discussion, the church and how salvation normally occurs within that context. You've been tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. This broadcast is linked to iTunes. Look us up there as well as our website, RedeemerBroadcasting.org. With me today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance, and the Reverend Bill Shishko. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please join us again next week at this same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. (laughs) 